Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. I just got off the phone with Mr. Uh, just wanted to inform you of the restraining order on the suit. Wanted to make sure that there was a renewal on that. What? <laughs> hey, is it true? Now, we always refer to my brother on Friday as the king, but my understanding is the true king showed up at work today. And that would be Bullers. Correct. He was, was Bullers- actually a part of our of our staff meeting today, which made it a whole lot more enjoyable. See? So that was good. There you go. No, that's why, I, you know, that's why I, te- I, I think I put on, on Mertz's, uh um, on Mertzi's Facebook page, you know they, they they showed him at work with other people, and I all I put down was the king. I mean, bully's the king, isn't he? Of course he is. Yeah. So what the hell? It's great that the great he was brought in today. It's great. It kind of changes everything, you know. That's right. Uh, very quickly, um. Before we get to the play-by-play call today, we'll do the play-by-play call in just one second. So I'll set up the next segment. We'll do Neil Coolong in the final half hour. Is that okay with you? Works for me. Just want to make sure. Just want to make sure everything's okay with you. Yeah. You no, know, you've been a little touchy lately. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm simpatico, simpatico, my friend. I'm good. And that and that is uh, about the Washington Commanders. It's not good when the Federal Trade Commission <laughs> is looking into you. So here, we'll talk about that in a second. First of all, our play-by-play call of the day. 0-2. And that's on the ground, third base. They'll go to second one. And the throw to first gets away. And coming to the plate will be Simeon. Heading to second base is Adolis Garcia. It's a one-run game. And the time runs in scoring position. The Rockies are asking for a review that Garver interfered with Brendan Rodgers. It's worth the Rockies asking for it. You're in extra innings anyway. I said to The call is overturned. There's a slight rule violation at second base. That runner is out. The runner at first base is out. Ball game wow. over. And the Rockies win it. How do you like that? <laughs> if that happened in Philadelphia, those four guys wouldn't have been able to get to the hotel. All right, so. <laughs> well, that was a bogus call, though. Bogus call. I didn't call. see it. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And the interesting part is the, the guys announce it, but they're not the ones that make the call. The guys in New York make the call. In an insulated booth, well protected. Ah, all right. Yeah. 
I thought you were going to play all, all of Aaron, Alec Bone's errors and his reaction. I thought you were going to play that. <laughs> no, I'll spare the kid. Thousands of athletes that have come through, and one speaks the truth, and you won't play it. All right, so <laughs> we're real, right? So then the the athlete's real. I don't want to play that. <laughs> what? Alec Bone, Santa Claus. What do they have in common? Booed in Philadelphia. All right, so let's get to the Commanders for a moment. We'll go away from how real Philadelphia fans are. To expect perfection, by the way. Right? You expect perfection, don't you? Well, I expect you to play well and hard and as well as you can. Give a good effort. Mistakes happen. Do you have the same evaluation of a Friday night football? All right, so, okay. <laughs> Are you a little more restrained on that? All right. <laughs> Chief does great. All right. The U.S. House Oversight Committee sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission saying it found evidence the NFL's Washington commanders engaged in unlawful financial conduct. In the letter obtained by the Associated Press, the committee said the team withheld ticket revenue from visiting teams and refundable ticket deposits from season ticket holders. All right. Now, if this is true, why do you do this? If you are an owner in the National Football League, it rains cash. I mean, it's a monsoon of cash. You don't need to withhold anything. I mean, if you were owner of an MLS team, I'd be like, I don't know. We didn't get the new TV contract. Uh, what do we do with the visiting team's receipts? Well, let's skim a little bit. Oh, yeah, okay. This is the National Freaking Football League. It's pouring cash everywhere. Everywhere you turn, they're getting money. There's no need to withhold revenue from visiting teams or from season ticket holders. The committee said emails, documents, and statements made by former employees indicate team executives and owner Dan Snyder engaged in a troubling, long-running, and potentially unlawful pattern of financial conduct. One former employee testified before Congress saying the team had two separate financial books, one with underreported ticket revenue that went to the NFL and one with the full, complete picture. According to the testimony, Snyder was aware of the numbers shared with the league while also being privy to the actual data. The business practice was known as juice inside Washington's front office. And if that testimony is correct, it could spell significant trouble for Snyder and the commanders. Ticket revenue was shared among all 32 NFL teams, with 40% of it deposited in a visiting team fund. Such money is among the pillars of the league's revenue-sharing commitment. Team spokesperson said that there was no formal comment and referred to a statement back on March 31st. I'd read it, but all those statements are worthless. As you know, how I feel about such things. Oh, we have a we have a prepared statement. Oh, you do? Oh, Anybody have a uh, a trash basket? 
Thank you. All right. The committee is sharing documents with the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, while requesting the commission take any action necessary to make sure the money is returned to its rightful owners. <laughs> okay. So here's an organization that has been involved in sexual harassment problems, both okay, in the office and with the cheerleaders. Abuse of employees in the office, where it sounded like a glorified frat house, and he's still owning the team. Okay, But now, if you are undercutting the other people who own, now you become Donald Sterling in their eyes. The other stuff should have stripped him of being the owner. Really, let's be let's be frank. That's that's what you're operating here. Should have been enough to do it. But when you start to then skim, and you're not sending your rightful share to the league, and other teams aren't getting their money in full, it doesn't take much to get seventy five percent to say you are gone. The league, by the way, did not immediately respond to a message seeking comment. Lawyers Lisa Banks and Deborah Katz, who represent more than 40 former employees, including some who testified, called the letter damning. It's clear that the team's misconduct goes well beyond the sexual harassment and abuse of employees already documented and has also impacted the bottom line of the NFL, other owners, and the team's fans. We are proud of our many clients that have come forward at great personal risk to reveal the truth and bring us closer to total transparency about the full extent of the dysfunction at the Washington Commanders. Oh, boy. Not good. Always remember... You know how Al Capone went to prison? Al Capone did not go to prison for killing anybody or ordering anybody to be killed. Al Capone was put in prison for tax evasion. Money. There are many ways to get to individuals here. But this is another bad moment for the commander's organization. Wow. Wow. And this is what's interesting. We were talking about, we've been kidding about the Philadelphia fan base on the show. The Washington Commanders fan base has always been extremely passionate. But if you notice what's happened in recent years with them, there seems to be more apathy than ever. And in part, as an owner, he's part. Of, he's part, part of the reason why I think there is some apathy. Not completely. I mean, they still have deep-seated fan base. But if you notice now, they tarp the upper deck because they can't sell the season tickets anymore. Not good. Wouldn't be surprised if we see. Um 
crowds like the Pirates are experiencing today, next season for the Commanders? No, that no, that's not going to happen. No, 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 that that that's not going to happen. Uh, you people love the football team, and it's in you're talking about eight or nine home games a year. Um, they are not tanking like the Pirates are tanking. Uh, they have a they have a. First of all, they have a good coach, Ron Rivera. He's a good coach. Uh, they've got some star players. You know, Chase Young had to sit out a lot last year. The Sweat Kid's a really good player. You know, I mean, Gibson's really good. It's it's not you know it's not like they don't have some good players. They do. Um, they need a quarterback. Now they have Carson Wentz. We'll see how that plays out. You know, as whether you beat out Taylor Heineke or not. But I wouldn't go to that extreme. I would not go to that extreme. I would go to that extreme if I were talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I would not go to that extreme with Washington. But they have tarped levels of the upper deck. That stadium can seat, I think, 80,000. I think they've got it down now to 57,000, 58,000. So... Yeah, but I wouldn't go that far that it's going to look like a Pirates game. That's that's a little overboard. And uh, Vince Scully today won the Second Lifetime Achievement Award presented by Baseball Digest. The first winner was uh, Willie Mays. 67-year broadcasting career with the Dodgers, dating back to Brooklyn. He's 94 years old now. He earned it. He earned it. I, I see. You're see. The difference is like Washington and the Giants are a rivalry, but I can responsibly talk about what's going on with Washington. The Eagles and Washington have a rivalry, yet you take shots. <laughs> but it's not just Eagle fans; it's everywhere around the NFL taking shots at Dan Snyder at the. Yeah, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that the that they're going to have crowds like the Pirates. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't but be shocked. Let's just say that. I, I do. I think it might happen. The Pirates yeah. are drawing ten thousand fans. There'll be ten thousand fans at a Washington Commanders game. I, I think I, I've there's spoke- not going to be ten thousand fans there. They're going to have you know they may have ten thousand no shows. Okay. Now, that's a distinct possibility, 10,000 no-shows, but not 10,000 fans. Come well, either on. that or they'll have more than 10,000. They'll have more than that. They'll have a normal crowd. It'll just be a road game every week for Washington. That but I it's can a road, see. But it's a road game almost everywhere right now in the NFL. I don't. I mean, have you noticed the trend in the NFL? Not at the link, it's not. <laughs> yeah, they all come in and they hate their team. We, sh- we uh, show up. Yeah, Eagle fans show up. Yeah, that's great. You know, you're a real influence on the game. One thing goes <laughs> wrong, you boo the team, they go in the tank. Uh, it's, you know, I always go back to that Sixers game. Ben Simmons, boo! Nets are blowing them out. Boo, Sixers! <laughs> Started the game by booing Simmons, ended the game by booing their own team. Yeah, it's just great. <laughs> well, we're real. <laughs> yeah, you're real, all right. All right. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, 
Philadelphia, they do show up. They do. Um, but almost everywhere else, I would say that there are more and more people infiltrating Philadelphia than you realize because people are selling their tickets. That's what's happening. I remember the Texans played the Cowboys in a game in Arlington, and half the crowd sounded like Houston. So I was talking to Mark Vandermeer, who does the uh, Texans games. I said, geez, Mark, it sounded like you guys had a great crowd there. He goes, Steve, you, you wouldn't believe how many people were there for Houston. Wherever the Steelers go, the Steelers invade. Oh, yeah, that's a given. In, including Philadelphia. Uh, they invade. That is I mean, probably the lone exception, I, I would say. You are seeing more and more stadiums where people are buying season tickets, and, Matt, they sell them. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, that's not what I – if I'm owning a franchise, that's not what I want. I don't want – I want to go into my own – I mean, Los Angeles is bad. I mean, the Chargers? I mean, the Chargers oh, have that's no embarrassing. home field. They have no home field there at all, but that's their fault. They picked to go there. That's their choice. They could have stayed in San Diego, gotten a new stadium there. Nope. But even the Rams really aren't that great either. Now, the Rams are okay. A lot of 49er fans get into that place when they play San Francisco, including the NFC Championship. Yep. And that's the way way it is in a lot of stadiums in the NFL now. There are few exceptions. There aren't many people who go to Green Bay games except for Packer fans. I remember the first time this happened, like, in mass. You'll never believe, you'll never believe where this happened. It was the Nebraska fan base. Guess where they invaded? And it was like, you got to be kidding me, really? Just guess. And the Nebraska fans took up, like, like 25,000 seats. Are we talking in the Big Ten, like a, a big a Big Ten game? It's not a Big Ten game. Oh. Notre Dame. Hmm. It was shocking. Like, the, I'm talking, they went in waves. The 25, 30,000 fans, and the Notre Dame people were in shock. They're like, oh, my God, we're, we're the, we feel like the road team in our own stadium. That's the first time I ever heard of, holy mackerel, are you kidding me? Okay. Try going to a Kentucky basketball game on the road. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they travel in droves. Now, let me give you the best Trojan horse moment ever. It's not, it's not a good story for Penn State, but a Trojan horse moment. Group of students get a hold of, hold of Penn State. Penn State's going to play Illinois in basketball. And this is, I don't know, 10 years ago. It's like 10 years ago. They go. They get tickets right behind the basket. And they all show up in Penn State garb. Hey, this is great. Yeah, look at this. Right, right. And it's just before tip-off, they all rip off their shirts, and it was the orange crush. <laughs> Dick and I have always referred to it as the Trojan horse moment. <laughs> See, now that's a violation. That's a total they violation. That. They do that everywhere. I'm trying to think where they did it this year. They did it once this year. And it might have been 
Indiana. They did it. But, you know, it's amazing. Yeah? Now, if I'm the opposing team going into the link, I want Eagles fans there. Because as soon as I start doing well, you suckers will turn on them in a heartbeat and work for us. <laughs> All right, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Another bitter day for you. I mean, I'm, I think you need to make a, a turn toward happiness. Now, I realize your teams aren't helping you. Well, we got some time with the Yankees. It's all right. Just good to watch baseball again. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. It is an absolutely beautiful spring day, blue skies. It just makes you think about the Pittsburgh Maulers and the USFL. Neil Kulon. Absolutely. We're fired up for uh, probably the, the first and last, first and not last USFL season. Another version of it will be reincarnated, I'm sure, in eight, nine years, something like that. But yeah, spring football is is uh, it's all the rage, right? We we want to watch that level of competition. We enjoy football being played at that level. That's uh, that's why everybody watches it. Okay, so uh, let's. <laughs> Let's start today. Is that I just want I want I wanted to at least keep it light because now the heavy stuff's coming up. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know what? Dwayne Haskins was not with the Steelers that long, but what kind of impact did he at least make on his teammates and the organization? I'll I'll say this. I think um, Chase Claypool, Steelers, um, what uh, third year receiver. He posted a video of himself full-on crying, talking about the whole situation with Dwayne Haskins. And the fact that Claypool might be the, the, the last person who knew him to see him, um, it, it goes to show the level of bonding that comes through this sport and through uh, team sports in general, really. Uh, he was obviously he was not with the team very long, 
but he clearly made an impact on somebody who's been with the team for a little bit. Um, he's working out with the team, although I think it's it's highly unlikely that uh, the consideration would have been him as a starter. But he's still going down there, still bonding with the guys who were there, and again, clearly making an impact at least on on one person. Um, it, it goes to show leadership is not purely in just a starting role or even a position. You know, some people gravitate well to that. Some people are very well liked. They're very charismatic. And that, that the outpouring that I saw in regards to Dwayne Haskins was almost entirely about that. Everybody enjoyed him being around. Right? It, it, it's a great legacy, even if you're you're talking about it in wake of, of a death of a 24-year-old kid. I mean, it's just a, an awful, awful situation to, to kind of wake up to on Saturday. Um, and it, it, I think the fact, the impact, too, I think you have to look at the fact he was down there uh, with a bunch of teammates. So his teammates were there. They're, they're front row and center for all of this. Um, it, you know, it, it, it'll be a topic of conversation, I think, uh, going into the season. You have to wonder... Uh, where they are mentally with it. And you hope that they're able um, to, to grieve in a, an appropriate way, that they're given the, the resources to be able to do that. That's just, it's an unspeakable thing. And to be that close to it, um, even, you know, especially obviously with a friend, but to be that close to the incident itself, that's tough. It's really, really tough. And I, I, I hope that all of them can find peace um, and his family is, is able to be supported in, in an unspeakable time. Because the players he was down there with were all young like him. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, and you you are probably at that age, you probably don't think about mortality, and then all of a sudden somebody that you were just with is gone, and it just has, the shock of it is I mean it was, it's shocking for older people to hear that it happened, let alone somebody who was just with him moments earlier. Yeah, that, that's the thing for me more than anything. I, the older that I get in this business, you, you tend to kind of forget somehow just truly how young these guys are. Yeah, I mean it, it, it hit me more than anything. I guess I knew it, but I, I didn't have it in the context um, of of the situation until it happened. Obviously, but. Uh, he turns 25 in April. He's he's 24 years old. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about Dwayne Haskins for years. I mean, yeah. it, it's you, you almost feel like he grew up um, in in the watchful eye of the fishbowl, and he did more or less. But there comes a point that you just kind of assume um, he's at or around the level of of the older veterans who were there. And for right. me, it's getting to the point now where. The old veterans are young, you know, right. in, in life they're young. And Haskins is, God, he's, he's barely an adult. I mean, it's just a, a, a horrible, horrible situation. It's just tragically sad. Um, but, it, yeah, it, it's you, you can't get past that part of it. You, you, I think you said it, you know, perfectly well just a bit ago, that the, the sense of mortality, I don't think, I know I didn't have it when I was 24. Yeah. Um, it, it, to have that and put it into the context of playing uh, a, such a violent game, it is really easy to view them as commodities, which unfortunately I think is a, a, a side story that's come out of all of this as well. It's hard to view them as humans 
without stopping to think about it when you get wrapped up in this. And it, it's a, a moment for pause now, I think, uh, certainly for the Steelers organization, and I hope for Steelers fans uh, as well, because to be honest with you, I, I didn't get a whole lot of positive feedback on anything that I said about Dwayne Haskins. I, I, you know, it's not as if mm-hmm. um, fans took him to be uh, the way that his teammates did. And you see the way his teammates reacted to all of this, and they're likely to continue uh, That's right. you know, speaking on those terms. I hope that people realize that. They are humans at the end of the day, and I, I think what gets lost is how truly young they are and how inexperienced they are in life and how easy it is for us to only view them as, you know, untouchable, um, godlike figures and and not remember the humanity uh, behind all of this. All right. So now from the business point of view, for the Steelers, the organization is grieving, but they also have to make sure that when it comes time, they have enough people to play the position when they get the OTAs, the training camp, and so forth. Have the Steelers made any moves there to bring in another quarterback? As cold as, um, as, cold as that sounds, yeah, you still you, have to do you, it. You hate to answer that question, but I, I think uh, my thought was looking at the, the, the complexion of the roster as they have it, I, I think they you know had a, a reasonable chance of considering uh, a quarterback at 20 anyway, and I think those odds go up now. Um, you had to look at it like they're bringing in uh, it, it, at, at you know earlier they were bringing in two quarterbacks at roughly the same amount of money below uh, the one they just signed for a lot more money. Mm-hmm. You had to think that they were going to let them compete, duke it out for for probably a backup job, um, and look to trade or just release the the, the loser of that competition. Um, and I think the third one is going to be set in stone now. Um, they're they're going to bring in a quarterback. I, I think they're going to need to because whether it was Haskins or uh, Rudolph, they're on one-year contracts. Yeah. And Trubisky's only on a two-year contract, right. which is basically we're going to pay you for now. We'll take a cap hit to cut you next year if we need to. We're not worried about that. This is in no way, shape, or form a guarantee for a second year. That, to me, and I, I said this last year at this time, I, I think what they're trying to do is, is set themselves up to find their future quarterback in uh, 2022, which is where we are now. Um, and I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they end up doing. Um, whether that has been their plan, I don't know. I, I could make the argument, but I, I think this now will we'll kind of ratchet that up. and It, it cements uh, Rudolph in place, and I think the third quarterback is going to be a rookie that they draft, and that's going to be the guy uh, you're looking at for the future, whether that's uh, 2023 or uh, a two-year waiting time for him, that's, that's probably what we're looking at now. And I, I hope you know, the, the team does commemorate Haskins um, yes. in, in some way, shape, or form. But, yeah, I mean, the, the game must go on. And, and I, I think a rookie would have been a, a, a reasonable move for them before, but it, it's, I, I view it closer to a necessity now. They're going to need to find an answer to that question or they are in the exact same spot next year that they're in now, whether this is good or bad they're in the same position of having to jockey around and have to continue um, trying to plan out a a future at the most important position in sports. The reality is you can't, you will not win consistently in the NFL if you do not have an answer at the quarterback position. And that needs to be something over multiple years. You can't keep doing it one year at a time. Way too many teams get to, as you call it, the Atlanta Hawks level 
of of uh, presence within the league. They're just quite not good enough to really push it over the hump. Uh, that that's what Mitch Trubisky represents in my mind. And keep in mind, Trubisky. Um, he he took over in Chicago after they signed Mike Glennon to, mm-hmm. to be the same type of thing that he is now. So right. I, I don't you know that happens all the time in the NFL. Trubisky's been on the front side of it, and I think he's going to end up being on the back side of it. There'll be a rookie that they bring in that eventually is going to uh, take over for him. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe just as a look right now, we need another person, a guy like Josh Dobbs. You know, as an as you know, not you know somebody that's going to take snaps and OTAs and things like that. Yeah, Dobbs would have been nice. Um, he just signed with Cleveland, which right. kind of you know sticks the the blade in the back a little bit more. Yeah, um, you, you don't have that fallback anymore. And again, it, it's you, you've got it, Trubisky, you've got Rudolph. Um, it, it seems all indications were that they wanted to bring four into camp. So right. uh, it could be another move that's out there, not just the draft. I didn't say that before. They, they very well could bring in uh, a veteran, you know, lead pony, if you will, uh, or they they might bring in two rookies. Who knows? I mean, they, they draft one. The other one would definitely be an undrafted free agent, somebody to, to, to mop up Carolina in the fourth quarter of their, their final preseason game, right. um, whenever that'll be. But it, it, they're going to need to bring in, I think, um, probably a draft pick, and I would think a veteran somewhere, just a, yeah. a guess. I, they, they would rather draft number three overall right now than ha- bring three in, yeah. none of which are, are certain to be on next year's team You know, from their perspective. They're going to want somebody that they can start to develop and look to, to contend at least for a starting position next year. Five years ago, I would not have asked you this question about the possibility of the Steelers trading up because that's not what the Steelers did. And then they made the deal for to move up to get Devin Bush at 10, I think it was. And, of course, they made a trade to also pick up Minka Fitzpatrick. Can you, is it possible in your mind that the Steelers, based on the quarterbacks in this draft, attempt to trade up? It's so funny. In January, the only thing we could talk about among the quarterbacks was how bad they were. And now oh, we're, we're getting around to the stock of these guys growing. Neil, there are two drafts. There's actually the draft draft, <laughs> exactly. and there's the quarterback draft. I mean, there are That's two, dra- way to put it, there are two drafts now. Because, uh, I mean, let's be honest about it. None of the quarterbacks in this draft are in the top 50 players in the draft. But they're going to be picked in the top 50 because there are two drafts. There's the quarterback draft because I need one, and there's the draft draft. You absolutely have to have a quarterback. Again, you're not going to be successful in a three- or a five-year window if you do not have a consistent quarterback answer. Uh, What that means, unfortunately, in in such a a, a crapshoot environment is you're going to have to make a gamble. You're going to have to find a guy that you think is the guy, and you're going to have to draft him as quickly as you can because if you don't, somebody else will because they're faced with the exact same problem that you are. Yep. And you will not win. This is why Russell Wilson, at his age, at at his level of durability now, just went for a haul to to Denver. Denver Mm -hmm. gave up everything to get him. And it makes perfect sense. I wish Pittsburgh had done that. I I think that would have been the best move for them overall. When when you watch – uh, the, the Rams go against a, a team that was playing phenomenal defensive football for four playoff games. And you saw the quarterback 
have to gut out a 15-play drive with some penalties, but a 15-play drive to score the game-winning touchdown. You understand the value of that position. And he's going up against a, a top draft pick who got every headline, for whatever reason, leading into that game. Burrow did not earn the accolades that he received going into that. Stafford was underrated because he didn't play well in a couple primetime games. Everyone thinks that he's garbage now. That's yeah. the, the level of impact that a quarterback makes. And Stafford was the one who stepped up on the final drive. Did the Bengals get three plays at, at the end? Right. Burrow didn't do anything. Right. He wasn't great in the game either. Right. So it, the value of the quarterback matters far more than everybody else. So the reality is, if you're a general manager, you just got a job and you don't have a quarterback, if you don't take one now, next year, you're still in year one. You right. still don't have a quarterback, and right. you probably have a bad record. So now you're doing the same thing. What can you guarantee today that's going to be there for you next year? Nothing. It's one in the air versus two in the bush. And the reality is, if you need a quarterback like the Steelers do, just my opinion, you need to take one. You, you hope that you're right. You're going to develop him like you are, and you're paying coaches – a lot of money to, to not play in the game, to set the guy up to be in a position to succeed. And if it doesn't work, it's your job. Well, if you don't have a quarterback, it's your job anyway. You right. have to take the risk on that, in my opinion. Well, that is Neil Kulong uh, joining us on the show. Always great to have Neil on. See, Paul O'Neill did not, uh, is not in the broadcast booth for the Yankees. Did you see that? He's doing the broadcast, but he's doing it from Ohio. Not even he wants to see them in person. <laughs> yeah, that's been strange because... No, 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 you know why? I actually do know the reason why. Uh, he is not vaccinated. Ah, well. And it's a policy. Yep. Of the New York baseball Yankees. Although we'll find out exactly how many of the players, when they go to Toronto, fall into that category, including the $500 billion man. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK.